0: Welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Welcome everyone, I hope you've all had a good start of the week and you've been busy and uh, I'm joined here today by Dr Sophie Bell, vet and and pet groomer. So welcome Sophie, how are you doing?
1: I'm good thank you, how are you?
0: Yeah good and you've had a good week apart from your children?
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah the children say I was saying to you before, the children have chicken pox Um, but apart from that life's good, you know just sort of Managing all the hours I can.
0: <laughs> so how many hours do you think you do a week?
1: Oh, do you know? I don't know. I normally count the number of hours I get to sleep and then deduct that from the total. <laughs> i kind of class the rest as work. You never sort of stop. I try to, try to manage lots of things at, at one time, which probably isn't always great. Especially when I'm working on new content. You know, at that, I can be up most of the night just working on stuff because it's quiet and I can think and, you know, do what I need to do.
0: Yeah, so I always um, – it yeah, may be not best to track your hours, is it? It might be scary.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think my life, work-life balance now, though, is far better, Um, you know, as awful as it sounds. But COVID kicked me into that. COVID made, yeah. me, made me do that, made me actually go back and go, oh, my God, Sophie, you know, you're you're approaching 40, and all you've done is work. Like, this is just crazy. You need to have a life. So, actually, it, it – I know it's been so devastating for many people, but that's about the only positive I could really find, that I was like, actually, it's helped me get a better life, you know, work-life balance.
0: Oh, yeah, and I mean, COVID's helped me create a whole new business as well, so it, it, it certainly has had its benefits. And have you managed to change your sort of business with COVID, with the sort of with Zoom coming on board and, and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I was, um, because I work, although I work as, you know, I am a vet, I have been locoming for the same practices, but for quite some time. I like the, I like the freedom of that, you know, especially with um, my lifestyle at the moment. So when COVID kicked in, I basically went to work and got told, I'm so sorry, Sophie, but there is no work for you now because we've got to use our regular staff. <clears throat> Cut right back, manage on a small team. And basically, you know, I remember the practice manager, she was in tears. She was like, I, I just don't know how to break this to you. You know, this could be six months. We don't need you. And I just don't know what you're going to do i remember driving home and thinking what am i gonna do like this mm. could be months um and then my online business that i'd started sort of just prior to covid just went zoom and just took off it was like it was meant to be and i suddenly went okay this has got legs i can do something with it you know i actually can i've got the balls now to do it because i've got the time and i've got to got to do it
0: that's it you're, you're forced into it, or- into it.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly otherwise we won't, we won't be paying the bills so it's got to happen yeah. so um I guess that was it that was a good thing in a way because it's definitely improved my lifestyle overall
0: excellent so did you um did you come straight out of school and go into veterinary science or
1: no no Things about me is that I'm just not normal <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the honest truth, in any way shape or form no I was an avid musician as a singer songwriter I used to do a lot of session work um in a studio and when I left so much. So basically I got told at school that, you know, forget becoming a vet, you're not, you're not going to do this. So I think my mum and dad just kind of, you know, were like, "You know, just do what you want to do, you know, really supportive. Mm. And then I just sort of thought to myself, how dare you tell me that? Yes, I will. So anyway, aced my GCSEs, which I don't think anybody was expecting, ran all the way home with the envelope in my hand, had an asthma attack halfway down the road and the builders opposite my mum's house had to pick me up and carry me into the house. You know, the family are crying, not sure because I could breathe or whether they were excited about my results. It was serious drama. And then um, when everyone settled down, I was like, that's it, you're going to do your A levels and go to vet school. I turned around and went, no, I'm not. I'm going to move to London and be a musician. <laughs> what
0: the hell? Wow, where that come from?
1: <laughs> so everyone was quite shocked. And yeah, lo and behold, just before I turned 17, I left and Got a job working in uh, as a temp for different music agencies, and got heavily involved with lots of different artists and writing and singing, and made a really decent living, especially for such a young sort of girl, I guess. So,
0: is there stuff out there that we can go out and listen to?
1: Um,
0: <laughs> is, it on, is it on iTunes or uh, Spotify?
1: Or? Oh, there's some quite dodgy little bits and pieces out there. I worked with some good artists, I really did. I, I um,
0: can you name drop?
1: I did some writing with, I'm going to totally forget his name now, but the guy that wrote Eddie Reader's song, Perfect. So I did quite a bit of work with him. I did some work with Zero Seven. Um, I did a little bit of work with a band called Lamb Chop, which at the time were quite sort of yeah. into that you know, scene. But yeah, so I had a Kenobi as well. i we had quite a good um, record out. And I did, I had a brilliant time and it was great. And then I suddenly just sat there at age 21, something, and just went, but really what I wanted to do was become a vet. So now I've kind of given myself a bit of time out and I've gone, yeah. I'm ready to study now. Right, now I've got to go and be serious. But it was the best thing I did. Yeah, it was so a good. A,
0: a bit of rebellion, you know, prove everything, everyone wrong and then go yeah. down and get to, to vet school. So you have to go back and do your A-levels and then...
1: Yeah, I did my A-levels at that, oh no, I was 20, that's right, I went back, did the A-levels at 20, by that point I was an independent student, so there was no moving back in the house, I think my mum had sort of said, you know, we've uh, we've pretty much sold the house and got rid of your bedroom, <laughs> okay, don't worry, so I, I think that's where my work ethic started, because I would not want to do my A-levels, but I wanted to rent a flat, and so therefore I managed you know, like six part-time jobs. You know, I'd sort of go and clean a school really early in the morning. Then I'd maybe work a bar later on in the evening, clean again in the afternoon. You know, I had like multiple jobs fitting in all around studying. And I think that's where it all began for me with, right, I've got to work hard to, to get what I want. But then I think when I did get what I wanted, I just carried on. Like I've got, I've got to keep doing all the hours because that's what you do. Yeah, uh, I didn't slow down quick enough. I think, probably kept going for too long.
0: So you went to, you, you got into vet school, obviously, and uh, did you, what was it, four years, five years? Five. Five and, years.
1: Um, yeah, and it was a weird, it was it was weird, really. <laughs> I just, I said it was weird. That's a sort of weird thing to say about doing a degree. It was brilliant in the fact that it's what I wanted and I loved every bit of it. Um, it sounds really odd thing to say. I never felt I fitted in. Right. You know, as in... Um, I wasn't, and I, even to this day, I, I would say I'm not very vetty. If that even makes sense, I don't know.
0: I can see uh, some, I, I, they're quite, um, I don't know if, I'm not going to say elitist or choosy or fussy with who gets into um, veterinary school, maybe. And obviously you might have been a more mature student perhaps or?
1: Yeah, I was. And that's what made me think I wouldn't get in because I didn't have to pay any fees because I was classes independent which was you know I never I never thought I think they only let one or two students in a year that are in that level so I didn't think I'd get a place because there was quite a lot of you know people sort of after that but they liked it I mean in the interview they sort of said to me what we like about you is that you've done something different you know you 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 knew what you wanted as an end goal but you haven't just followed it through you know because you feel you have to and I was like well, that's the thing I never I never want to be that person that feels I've got to, I've got to conform. You know, I can, I can, I can live a little bit dangerously. (laughs) You know, although we get nervous about doing that, you know, I hear a lot of people grooming world, you know, I want to stop my job and go into grooming and it's really scary to, to stop one thing and start another. But I think that if you try and I don't know, believe in it and try and work out ways that you can, even if you have got to do like I did work little part-time things here and there to bring the pennies in while you build the main bit up.
0: Yeah. I've had a lot of conversations this week with people and over the last few weeks about um, people that want to leave uh, their job, the, you know, they've got their pension, they've got their their and parents in the background, like in their head, going, Why do you want to leave like a stable job and a pension and nine to five and do your 30 years, or whatever? Yeah. And I suppose you kind of rebelled against that a little bit earlier. So But yeah, you're right. It it holds people back, doesn't it? That mindset um, holds people back from doing what they want to do.
1: Yeah, it's scary. It is really scary, I think, for a lot of people, especially when you've got, I mean, obviously, you know, age 17, I had no ties. You know, I didn't have mortgage and children and, you know, bills and, you know, not really. I sort of had the freedom and if it had all gone wrong, I'm sure I could have gone, you know, running back to my mum and dad and said, could you let me stay again while I work out plan B? So I didn't really, it was never hugely risky, I suppose but it is hard for people. I mean, to, to make a change in a career, but for a lot of people, it's the best thing you can do because you've got, you you work for a long time.
0: (laughs) But also now things are changing so much. Like there's so many different ways to earn your money. You know, what we're doing now that didn't exist. What, two years ago, you know, your online courses, my online stuff, it didn't exist. So, you know, It must be quite difficult for older generations or parents and grandparents to look at that and go, well, why aren't you in your your stable job? And there's so many different ways to earn money now, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I even get that a little bit off my in-laws, actually, who are a little bit like, you know, you don't do as much vet work as what you used to do. Do you think, you know, do you think you'll lose your skills? And do you think, no, I don't. As long as I'm dipping my toe in, you know, frequently enough, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, if anything, I'd say my vet skills, especially since writing courses, oh so much better I feel like I go to work now because I've done so much research I know about diseases because of the great people of the world who ask me about different conditions that their dog have often you know as rare as anything it makes me read it makes me learn you know actually teaching to to pet professionals and um, you know to owners it really opens up your mind because they'll ask you about something weird and wonderful and you think uh, I probably should know that, but I don't think I do. So now I feel like my knowledge has grown incredible amounts. So when I go into work, I feel more confident than I ever did. That I'm like, I feel like I can really tackle this, you know, this weird and wonderful stuff. Like I, I can look at the weird and wonderful and, and actually think I know what this is.
0: Just broader horizons because you deal with so many people and so much. So you, went, you, you obviously got through vet school fine and became a vet. And did you get bored of that or...?
1: no I never i've never been bored of being a vet ever actually um i love the job dearly it's changed that's all i don't love about it so you know I, I i never i suppose that's why i used to work such long hours because to me it never it never bothered me you know i didn't i didn't mind being there because i got very attached to my patients if i had a dog that was sick cat that was sick it doesn't matter what species it was but if they were ill i couldn't leave friday afternoon and wait and see what happened over the weekend i had to go in again and check and make sure you know and i had to follow it through because in my head i couldn't sleep it was like they were my own yeah never got sick of it at all Um, I mean, I guess you're going to ask me why. Why did I then train to be a dog groomer? Why well, no,
0: well, that is one of the questions. But yeah. it's interesting to see what changes because I think I mean I come from the police background and I'm exactly the same. Nineteen years and things just things do change. And when you join up and you're like you listen to all the old people going, oh, it's changed so much, blah blah. And you're like, yeah, I'll never be like that. But it yeah. does happen, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> it does. And for me in the vet world, I think what's become sad is you know is all money life becomes like around that and around the kind of money side and I suppose I spent many years of my life when I first qualified working for the PDSA so because that's a charity money was never discussed so I used to take a patient get on with the job hand them back obviously you'd have to ask an owner you know could you donate towards the, the cost of the care but then it changed for me a little and also people's perceptions of what they wanted for that you know this is costing me a lot of money you better get it right you know my you know and and you feel this different pressure and also you have someone the powers above it's not like maybe independent anymore you've got someone above you that might say you know equally you have to charge this and you're the one in the middle with the owner like why is this this and someone above you going you must charge this and you feel like I don't want this I just want to treat the dog I don't want this discussion. I don't want these thoughts. I just want to get on with the job.
0: I had exactly the same conversation with my wife the other day who um, was out um, talking to, her, to a vet, and I think she relayed exactly the same thoughts as you, as, you know, everything is charged now, and it's like it's that business side of things, isn't it? It's that corporate yeah. corporate world which maybe um, people don't enjoy so much, and all the prices are, are fixed. It's no longer that discretion and, and stuff like that anymore.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know. I used to love seeing a dog that had a tick on it and be like, oh, don't worry. There's no charge today. Now you're scared if you're going to get any more work. If you decide in your mind, you feel if it was your practice, you wouldn't charge for it. But you know that someone is bigger than you and they can stop your work. Yeah. So it's it. There's that. And I think also I think people seem to be very angry, like more now. I don't know. I, it's different. The vibe's different. Um I can't really explain it. And then also, I mean, the thing that initially led me to the grooming actually was beyond before any of that. So I was um I was working a shift. This is all a bit like about bullying in the workplace. Actually, I I was I ran a clinic, but I was the youngest vet, but was quite overshadowed and quite put down by some of the older vets. And really looking back now, I should have been more outspoken. I think as I've got older, I'm a lot more confident and outspoken, but I wasn't then. And I remember. Being in theatre, I was doing something fairly routine, like a bitch spay or something, and a phone call to say that your mum's gone back into hospital. So at this point I knew there's a really good chance she's going to die very soon. I want to wrap up here and I want to get out. I need to get to the hospital. Anyway, um, some in one of the vets, really condescending, was like, you are the senior vet, you get on with it, you don't go home. And I worked the rest of that day. She didn't die thankfully she did about two months after that but it was at that point that even she said to me stop it now be at home don't don't, don't do it like you have the freedom so that if you want to see me when I was when I've been sick
0: yeah
1: you can say you're your own boss sod you go and see me and she made me she was the like one that sort of said think of something what else can you do and I thought well I I I love do- I love being tactile with dogs I mean I know dog grooming is much more than that it's a very hard job but it was just my first thought. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I think I really, actually, really enjoy this job.
0: Was that like uh, kind of a wake up and smell the coffee kind of? Like, you're you're giving so much of your life to this job. Yeah. You know, and look what it's doing. Look what it-
1: Totally. And, I mean, so it was probably a few months after that, she, she died, because I just about qualified, and I groomed her dog, which was a
0: cockapoo.
1: <laughs> And I'm really sorry but he is still a real pig now he lives with my sister in New York he's about nine now and my words like I remember thinking I don't want to be a groomer like, <laughs> like grooming Billy because he was like the hardest dog don't get me wrong I'm not tarnishing them all with the same brush but he was just he was so awful he almost made me think this is just not the job for me like you're just a horrible customer like, <laughs> um, but no, it really was, and of course, it was a family pair So I was the one that always had to groom him. Yeah. Oh, but that was fine. But yeah, it was. It was a good wake-up call, and I loved it. I, I, I had for me, I, I actually liked the solidarity. I know a lot of people as well will say that you know if they're a lone groomer, it gets lonely. But then when you're in the veterinary world and you're with people all the time it was a very pleasurable thing to be alone with my radio on my cup of coffee and working with my few dogs that I had through the day and I found that I found it quite therapeutic don't get me wrong they weren't but I wasn't a big high street group you know I'm, I'm pretty rural most things I saw were pretty straightforward you know I didn't have that many you know most of them were just regular pretty easygoing things I, and and it was it was it was nice it was it was good
0: did you, so did you give up the, the day job as it were whilst you're doing your qualifications then set up as a groomer or did you do both? I did
1: both and I did both, you know, again, I I would do maybe, you know, groom three days a week and work three night shifts. Hmm. So like, like that. Yeah, because I couldn't, I, I, you know, I think, I think I could have built up the business enough to, well it was, I mean there were weeks where it was really busy and there were weeks where I couldn't really fit in. Too much vet work. Um, and then some weeks a bit quieter. Hmm. Then I had children. So that just sort of, you know, stuffed it all up.
0: Yeah, it just blows <laughs> a big hole in it all, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. So then that's it. Your hopes and dreams. No, I'm not joking. I love my children, I do. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't ruin anything. <laughs> no, they um I got pregnant with my daughter, then when she was 13 months old, I found out I was pregnant with twins. So when I was when, when I had her, that was lovely actually. You used to have a little space where I could put her. She loved it with the hair dryers on, and like she would, you know, so when she was away from obviously breathing in any of the hair and yeah, The like,
0: hair around her face. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no. drinking the shampoo like yeah,
0: splinters everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's this, mummy, with the scissors in her hands? Like, no. no, she um, I managed while she was um, little to do some grooming, and then, as I say, when she was thirteen months old, pregnant with twins, and I think I've stopped when they were about two months from being due yeah. you know yeah. By basically i couldn't walk anymore yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well then, yeah then, then that was the end of it and then i haven't groomed again since right. um and then they're three they've just turned three so just over three years um but in that time got very interested in the grooming world and hang on a minute i want to relate health and grooming together
0: it goes together that's it?
1: important there shouldn't be a- yeah why are they separate why is it one day i'm in my day job as a vet and the next day i'm in my day job as a groomer hang on a minute they are both uh, coming from the same angle we want the same goal here we want a healthy happy dog
0: yeah can i just go back to when you're grooming and being a vet did you use um being a vet in any of your advertising did you tell people that you're a vet as well or anything like that and um, also yeah just, we, we come across a lot of dogs, uh, everyone comes across a lot of dogs in day to day where they've got particular skin issues, you know, conditions, tumours, lumps, bumps and all sorts. What did you do then? Did you then refer them on to your vets or did you were you able to sort of do something with them? That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I came across lots of things. I remember once grooming a dog. Actually, this, this was... Um labradoodle my partner adam was helping me groom actually and as he was um because he was quite good at bathing and drying and stuff and he was basically bathing and drying the dog for me he said what's this massive lump on this dog's neck mm-hmm. and i knew straight away it was right next to the thyroid gland so i said to leona look i'm not gonna die because i didn't you know then even though i have my hands on the dog i could technically have given a rough diagnosis but what i said to her was look i don't want you to have a sleepless <laughs> night tonight it's like i'll actually break this but I want you to go to your vets first thing in the morning and get this biopsied. It was a thyroid carcinoma. If we hadn't pulled that up within a few months, the dog would have just dropped dead. But actually another three years after having removal and chemo. So that was a good, good thing. Um, the funny thing is you are seeing that, which is kind of related. So someone said to me about the, they you talk know, talking about grooming and being a vet the other day. is attitude. So, I I don't think I really pushed the whole vet groomer thing actually because I didn't want them to I didn't want people to come to me and ask me lots and lots of advice and use it as a full blown consultation either otherwise we could be there for like hours you know I wanted to wanted to separate them slightly, Um, but I've known the attitudes of people so. I've seen a dog say come in for you know ready for grooming and I've made a comment of you know the skin looks very greasy or very dry or I don't like this or I don't like that like I pointed out on skin and they've looked at me like right sure whatever I'll, I'll speak to my vet and then I've pulled the vet card and gone actually I am a vet <laughs> and their attitude changes and I find that disgusting that they can literally look at me like whatever stupid girl to oh oh I'll just I'll, I'll sort of pick my ears up now and yeah. it would almost be clients that I wouldn't want because I think I don't like that that like, you know you shouldn't have respect just because you think you know my job is they, the, the two jobs are different they, you know they both concentrate around different things but they are both as valuable as one another and I don't like it used to really annoy me that is
0: interesting that is interesting isn't it observation and you're like, oh, hold on. This is where you value the different occupations, isn't it? And yeah. what value they put on the veterinary world and then the, the dog grooming world. So that's interesting.
1: It's disgusting, isn't it, though, that that happens. And although, yes, when I'm making content and writing courses, yes, to definitely sell the part that I am a vet. Because I want people to know that the content that they are learning is coming from a viable source where... Yeah. You know is someone with a, a heavily sort of scientific background and, and been doing this for you know well been a vet for 13 years and obviously all the lead up to that so I do use that <clears throat> I do use that as my unique selling point I guess <clears throat> but I never really did when I was a groomer and I certainly don't when I'm out I don't like to tell people too much about what I do and what I have because I feel that I I don't I never like anyone to feel like you're different about me do you know what I mean I'm just me, and I
0: don't like it's the same with parties isn't it you go to parties and they ask (laughs) what you do you're like oh I'm a police officer or I'm a vet and then it sparks all the stories oh my mate this and my mate that and I took my dog here and I I took my cat there and what do you think and you're like oh you know know. know. and I don't mind those bits I don't mind those bits
1: it's more the bits if they don't want I don't know like I've been like mum greets before with the children and stuff and you know we'll be talking about jobs or something and they might have what they would class as not a, a big career like I might have you know and I feel awkward because I just think I don't want you, I just want us to all be equal here we're just mums in this room I don't want anyone to judge yeah. no I just don't want to be like that I hate that I don't The snobbery is not for me I don't you know, it's a bit like we've picked a local school for our kids because we know that we're going to get a whole range of people. You know, we've got, we're in a pretty rural village and all the schools are pretty rural. But -hmm. we've picked one that we know our kids are going to be exposed to lots of different people. They need to see, they need to respect the people that don't have, you know, a lot of money. They need to respect people from different backgrounds, different gender. you know, they they need to understand. Yeah. Um, Because I hate that. I hate that, you know, feeling of like, being closed and and that can happen quite a lot. I think where we are too it's quite
0: it's quite uh closed minded. Yeah. And I, I suppose as a as a pet groomer, we kind of um suffer a bit when maybe there's a bit of clipper rash or something and it gets taken to the vets against sort of, you know, bit of pseudo cream, bit of time, you know, try and stop the dog from licking it and it'll probably be all right. But it goes to the vets. And then we always feel as though we lose out straight away because it is like a, the the vets sort of um opinion or or obviously matters and obviously as you found out they're they're always going to win over us aren't they and it does feel sometimes like that yeah
1: yeah absolutely and where it lacks is education at that part so if I hadn't become a dog groomer I wouldn't have understood that clipper rash doesn't come from overheated clippers okay I think in my head as a vet not having been involved in grooming, I may have well just believed that that was the case. You know, the, the dog groomer has allowed the clippers to get too hot, it's burnt the dog's skin. That's why we call it clipper burn. <clears throat> and now obviously I realize that's nothing to do with it. You know, if a dog has, you know, a very underpigmented, like not much pigment on the skin, so they have very, very pink skin as opposed to a, a, a darker color to their skin, or they are, um, they've got mats or they've got fleas or they've got underlying food allergies they are gonna react to the clippers potentially. So actually it's the dog, it's nothing to do with the groomer. But if you'd stuck me as that bet before I'd done the grooming, I probably would have been the one that thought the clippers had got too hot, which I know now is an absolutely ignorant, stupid, like thought to have had, but I I would have done. So So that's why I just... just stop.
0: So we need you to start touring all the universities <laughs> in the UK <laughs> and uh, doing like lectures to, to veterinary students. <laughs> and well, Just start changing the culture for us, please. Just just start changing that culture.
1: Get them all into the O2, we're gonna have my radio mic. Can you hear me <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it, it's sad you
0: heard it here first write a book <laughs> I know, do you know I crossing the funny. divide there you go there's your title
1: <laughs> no it's funny because it does in the clinics I'm in they're really interested in it they're always like you know oh and then actually they'll ask a lot about grooming related incidences and how did this happen and um I also do a little bit of work for um uh, an insurance company that works with groomers too and some of the things here some of the claims that they'll get things like cherry eye cherry eyes happened on the grooming table so what unless the groomer strangled it so what it's not the groomer's fault sorry that's the breed of the dog and that would have happened at any point unfortunately the groomer got the wrong wrong timing as in it's happened under their watch but it's not their fault which is why I then wrote the um, health and welfare in the groom room course because I wanted to empower groomers to say I can be strong about this and say that I know that cherry eye hasn't happened because unless they know that they've allowed the dog you know to have some a, a really tight noose and you no know, lead to strangulation you know that's that's your conscience that's your you know thing.
0: But, but, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of like that strength of I can actually be confident here rather than just giving in and going. Here's my insurance details. You can actually say, well, hang on a minute. I'm going to question this. I'm going to ask because I know. And then, you know, and and throw that back in there and say, well, hang on a minute. It was an English bulldog. We all know they're prone to Cherry Eye. The dog, you know, hasn't had anything tight around its neck. There's been no pressure. How could I possibly have done this? Because it's not my fault.
0: Hmm.
1: Which is what I wish groomers would do more of. And I know that's scary because I know it a is, lot.
0: I, could, I could probably feel a lot of people going, oh, uh, you oh, know, it's me versus a bit. I'm going to lose every day.
1: <laughs> but you could put a good case and make them research it and be like, could you please at least like look into this for me? Because this is, this is what I've been told and taught. Um, which is, say, hence putting that course together, because I just see so many things that groomers say. And I just want to kind of give them a big hug and say, you didn't do that didn't do that i can tell you exactly why that happened because that dog's got an underactive thyroid or that dog's got a it's nothing to do with you you didn't make that error yes. and it's so annoying because so many people you know that feeling if something goes wrong in the pit of your stomach if you back you know i remember in the short amount of time i was grooming i managed to cut two dogs um uh you know and i, I just remember that feeling just absolutely horrific feeling of i've just i've hurt you i've injured you which is also a really awful thing to have done as well.
0: But well, we know we don't do it. We don't go out of our way to do it on purpose, do we? But yeah. it is, I mean, this this could, for some groomers, could be career-ending because because the, the the full force of the owner and the the vet bill and the vets comes down on them. They could really yeah. knock their confidence, can't it? And you know, it's nice to see that you are there to start pushing back a bit and empowering the groomers to to fight their corner and you know again pick up the industry and help the industry
1: yeah it needs it and also the other the other negative thing is bloody social media it can do us some good favors but people can just go on there without a thought in their mind and how much you know I try to be thoughtful when I post things and think how would that impact someone and how would they feel because I know how that feels if someone writes something that they feel that maybe wouldn't be that upsetting to you and actually it's soul destroying and you think I don't want to read that or that's really that's really hurtful and but social media can really do some awfully damaging things as well so that's not helpful but i know i was saying to you before it's um i've just forgotten again the federation of uh fabc which is fellowship of animal behavior clinicians they recently did a webinar now I think um it it was just aimed at vets but and vet nurses actually so it was um RVNs and vets about dog grooming and preparing owners um, and guiding them not 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 like you know telling them how to groom a dog but what to expect and maybe a little bit more about the specific coat and how you know they need to find out more about the brushing process and actually contact a groomer and work with them more and the behavioral side you know puppy grooms and all those things there's some of that really is starting to come out now um and i think that's brilliant you know it's actually teaching vets stuff you know about groomers which you know positive stuff like not horrible stuff good stuff that's going to actually make them go oh i see i'm starting to understand it a bit more so it will change it would this is slow like anything i think
0: it's, it's exactly like you're saying it's education isn't it it's education um I this. Either when i was in the police i was I had the very same issue i was uh, on a firearms unit and they all just saw us as the the gel wearing sunglass wearing you know checking myself out in the mirror kind of guys that just turned up you know said yeah here's my prisoner go and deal with it and and but it was all around educating them that there's a reason why all this and and if vets don't get that education then you know they, they don't they're different do they they don't know no. Why these things happen, or what it's like to work a day? Maybe they should be doing some work experience. Maybe part of their <laughs> the, the the university course that we're putting the world's right to rights here. Part of their um study is they have to do work experience in the groomers. Wow, yeah, actually,
1: that that's, really, that's a good idea. It is. I mean, I did work experience. I did. I choke because you get to choose most to do your work experience one of mine was in a kennels actually yeah. because I wanted to do that I wanted you know and I, I mean I chipped in and, and then actually went back in my summer holidays um, you know they paid me to come back and continue working um, you know and I actually really enjoyed I enjoyed working there but it just gave me another view on another profession within the, the animal industry you know when you're a vet oh my goodness you're not the be all and end all there are so many aspects to pet professionals it's you can't have that view everyone is just as equal I say everyone's there to to make the same difference and whether you know you're performing hydrotherapy for a dog or you know giving it physio or you know you're alleviating it from its boredom by taking out for a walk every day for the owner everything is you know mind and body and everyone is doing has got the same goal um just because you know we've had to go and cram our brains full of sometimes useless information but it doesn't make you any better you know it really doesn't and I think it's very sad that that still that still exists there's still those levels those tiers of you know hierarchy and all those And yeah. it, it shouldn't exist like that really we should all be able to chat to each other
0: yeah it's just a culture a culture that needs breaking down that the sort of um, top end at the RCVS and, and uh, college level and university level isn't it
1: yeah. Okay. Every time you say the RCVS, it scares me. I think we're all vets are scared of the Royal College. <laughs> like, how scary governing bodies. Oh, I mean, we're lucky; to have a governing body because I know obviously that always gets discussed, doesn't it? In the in the grooming world, whether it, you know it will be um, overseen and you know sort of better governed. Do you think that will happen?
0: I'd like to see it happen. Um, I think it might happen, but I think it needs a lot of consultation um, because you could end up with. Um, some groomers doing some things. I really don't know if I want to get into the whole sort of ins and outs of it. But you you have a a groomer doing, let's say glands, let's say that awful word. Uh, And Facebook's about to explode. I'll probably go into Facebook, groomer jail for saying it. But, you know, Emma's a veterinary nurse. She's learned how to do glands. She do glands. You know, we do glands. I've said it, there you go. Um, (laughs) But imagine if you did that consultation and all of a sudden groomers were told you cannot do glands, okay? Some people are gonna miss out. But, you know, if you leave that open and say, well, if you're trained, experienced, competent, and sure to do it, then why not do it for, yeah, yeah. you know? um, So leaving the debate about whether we should or shouldn't, the, the around regulation of um, pet groomers, I think you've gotta have a strong consultation phase so that um, there's always gonna be someone that's gonna miss out or you're gonna lose out somewhere but there has to be that consultation phase. You can't just force it through without, without any kind of. No, um...
1: it's, yeah. It's heavy duty, isn't it? And for some people, you know, again, that could cause great anxiety as well. For multiple reasons, you know, I don't, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? To It's difficult to please everyone and to make everybody sort of, you know, feel happy about all these changes. Not many people really like change, do they? Lots of people are quite sort of anti-change, I think sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and unless you see the positives for you or, or for your business or for the industry as a whole, I mean, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a change for the for the industry, and people are going to miss out. They might give up, or they might not join. I don't know. It's it's going to be a difficult one to put through, and I don't know who's going to lead yeah. it.
1: Yeah, it's hard, isn't it?
0: I did wonder whether the government would suddenly wake up and look at um, dog groomers and go, "Bloody hell! A lot of people have claimed furlough and claimed grants and stuff. There must be a lot of money going through the industry. Maybe yep. we need we want a bit of this. So let's regulate it and and make people sort of you know less cash in hand and more of a more of a sort of professional industry where they're they're, they're you know through the taxes they can see that there's a lot there's a lot of business there. But who yeah. knows?"
1: <laughs> it's difficult isn't it to know where the industry will go
0: yeah yeah that's right so covid came up to you and uh well there you go he
1: bill literally of- did in december last year but yeah. year, we're
0: all, all right we just we just had a comment bill and sophie you should start your government your own in this, st- start the governing body <laughs>
1: <laughs> well there you go i'll give you a zoom high five <laughs>
0: <laughs> Right, um yeah so COVID caught up, uh, obviously COVID caught up with you physically, but you got um, sort of let go, furloughed or whatever during COVID. So it kind of forced you to re to pivot I suppose is what we call it
1: yeah it did and initially I mean I was still so at that point I did have my um can health and first aid course already online I'd made you know I'd made myself I think I was writing that when the twins had just been born you know and I was really you know it took me a long long time so I had a little bit of time here and there and had that online and then um did quite a few little um talks here and there like little sort of um, for some of the groomers groups. I think it was Groomers... Oh, what was it called? Now, I've totally forgotten the one that Whippet Media did. My mind's gone blank. Groomers Locked... Lock, uh, not Groomers Unlocked, that was the second one. But anyway... Oh, I
0: might um, give us a comment in a minute, sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was great and really fun. And then people then kind of then heard a little bit more about, oh, there is this kind of crazy vet groomer floating around <laughs> offering some, some courses and it was great because then I kind of then started to find my feet and then I was like okay I I, I don't want to be a one-trick pony here I don't I do not want to just teach canine health and first aid it's just I can't just teach that because to me it's not enough okay some as in you know obviously for day-to-day it's very it's amazingly useful for people but some people want more you know and they want to learn about perhaps a specific condition or they want to just understand things in more detail. So obviously, I then followed up with a cat version of, of canine health and first aid, and um, then went on and did the um, canine health and welfare in the groom room, went on and wrote a hamster course for children. So I did lots of free courses for children in during COVID. And then I released yes. one that was a proper video based one. Just about to bring out uh, success with senior dogs, which is, I think, by far my favourite, actually, at the moment, just because um, there's nothing out there for old dogs in terms of, you know, all the quirky, so many quirky little tips that you can use to just improve their quality of life. Little things that change as they age, you know, silly things. Like one of the things I teach that as dogs age, their frequency of, of hearing becomes much lower, so dogs prefer us to speak in a higher pitched voice. And they're like that you know, good boy, good girl. As they get older, they start to become deaf and they start to lose that. So you need to become good boy, good girl. And <laughs> like, sort of get your voice really deep. And um, but little. I quotes, thought I was
0: selective hearing. like all old people
1: exactly. But it is like <laughs> that. But if you change your tone of voice, usually they respond to you. But quirky little things like that, and how the heart changes with age, and the skin, and the eyes, and so many things and then looking at specific things like how to manage dementia and arthritis and you know all the conditions that we might see as they get older um and then I've got um a series of short courses coming out which are going to be based on specific conditions so the first one again is is almost there and it's all about diabetes because I just feel that people they will be i mean i don't make any of my courses my courses are usually pretty inexpensive it's the deliberate move on my part because i just want people to be able to learn Uh, yes it's a business and i understand i have to make a living but i am fortunate in the fact that you know i can work in practice as well so i can have a second backup yes if i was only doing the online as my main living I would have to bump up the price. You know, I, I probably couldn't live on that alone, yeah. uh, but it's okay because I have other, you know, I can have other options to be able to survive. So I keep them inexpensive and I'm going to have yeah, a series of short courses about specific diseases coming out so that then owners of a Cushing's dog or a thyroid dog can totally understand every aspect of it and get to realise how their dog behaves and why.
0: So is this uh is this like um aimed at owners or, or any pet professional sort of thing
1: yeah both owners and pet professionals all my courses apart from children's courses get cpd accredited the only two that are off-call regulated are the first aid based courses hmm. um the feline and canine are both um off regulated but i don't i don't I, I sort of, you know, again, I, 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 they've both got the same content. Put it this way: if you do it as a CPD-regulated course or an off-course regulated course, you get the same, you know, you get the same attention from me. Just it's just that obviously with off you need to try and prove that you've taken in the knowledge and send off assessments to external examiners and a little bit more around what else you need to do.
0: Yeah, because CPD is it's not a, a, an easy or cheap option for you to make your courses CPD. Registered, is it?
1: No, that's always a monthly <laughs> outgoing. And the more courses yeah. I add, the more expensive it gets. But it's all right. I don't mind because I know people want some sort. And also, I teach a lot. So, a lot of my courses, um with both the first day courses, actually, I had a real influx of veterinary nurses, especially those early in the career or maybe in the training stage, and they need the CPD hours. Right. So, a lot of them said, This is great. This, this is practical for us, quite new in the profession. And this has really helped. And we've gained CPD hours. So, it's it's good on that that fact as well. Because I know everyone's always fighting to see how how many qualifications they can get with a course. I'm um, always scared to do that in the fact that not because not of the content, I just don't want to make anything too expensive. That's that's for me. You know, I'd rather I just want to keep it affordable because for me as a vet, there is nothing worse than seeing a dog come in that's been having seizures, who has clearly Cooked itself to death because the owner maybe knows a lot about fits but doesn't know that heat is going to kill it. It's going to fit itself. It's going to heat up. It's going to die. And there, I've got a three-year-old spaniel that's now about to die by something that was preventable. So, if it's going to cost her or him thirty or quid to to at least just learn that that to me is is good I, I don't want to be like yeah you could take my course but it's 500 pounds and then they're like no I'm not going to take it and then I, I haven't I, I can't stop that
0: yeah that's kind yeah. of how
1: I'm driven I suppose
0: yeah and how are your courses delivered now do you do in person and online or how have you how have you how did you amend the course to to taking it online especially with first aid
1: so first aid is so my online course that's taken at own time is all video based and narrated. I see so it's quite slickly done actually it takes it takes hours um you know like every every slide is put together in an edited video which is completely narrated so if i say spoke about um pyometra like a womb infection might be gross but you'd see a picture of a pyometra then i might pop up to the side and go look at this this is the symptoms and then the next you know so it's all visual um none of it's note bound at all um so that's how i manage those with the first aid, because uh, that's what people worry about. People worry about the practical. I suppose the only two elements of practical that would come in on first aid is bandaging, mm-hmm. which I won't lie. I feel that bandaging is something that needs to be practiced. I'm not quite sure that somebody in a first aid scenario could learn to become a great bandager in, you know, that, that day course or, you know, I, I feel that it is. A, and also, I encourage people not to use bandages too much, actually, unless it's really needed. I've just seen so many disasters with bandages. And then the other bits, the CPR. Um, and I teach CPR in like a really quick step move that I feel, because obviously it always sounds like you're sort of, you know, bragging and it's not something to brag about. I, I perform a lot of CPR, you know, it's just part of my job. And I've just found ways that it's really quick and easy to tell people, you know, use this landmark, this landmark. And then in terms of compressions, you can practice on a dummy. If you come face to face with me, you you get to do that but even I can honestly say that in practice now I just I just compress there is no you know when you're doing it on a real dog all this a third of the way down and feel yeah you don't you just and do it do you know what I mean there isn't any of that so I think because I've learned that I felt that you don't miss out although some people they love the classroom environment so I still teach classroom courses and then I'll teach via zoom for people that don't want to do it in their own time they just want to sit and listen to me whittle on for hours and probably what,
0: what I would say around the first aid side of things and I, I haven't done a first aid um course for animals I don't really work with animals I work with people but I've done lots of first aid courses with people and what spurred me on was that um coming across that uh, that person that needed help and not knowing what to do and then that that in itself makes you feel really really bad um yeah not knowing what to do so yeah. I then made it my sort of Mission, I suppose, to then do as much sort of first aid stuff um as I possibly could so that when I came across these people again, I could actually do like an intervention. And it's no different if you're a groomer or a dog walker or a pet sitter and you've not equipped yourself with that education and something happens in front of you, you know, get these first aid courses under your belt and and get that information yeah. because knowledge is power, isn't it? And
1: it's oh, 100%. Yeah. And even
0: if there's nothing that you can do for them, because, you know, maybe it's just time for that dog to pass away or it's injuries too severe. The fact that you've tried to help will help you after the event uh, to deal with it.
1: Yeah, to process it. Mm. And also just knowing about like prevention as well, because with first aid, often it always focuses on the actual event. You know, the the bleeding dog or the choking dog or the, you know, the seizure dog. But what about the dog that's having the silent and, you know, internal bleed? It happens. One of the most common emergencies I see, actually, or or up there. um, Masses that grow on the spleen that suddenly decide they're going to rupture. What about that dog? What about if you don't know at home how to check gum colour, pulse, respiration, temperature? Actually, that's going to become an emergency because he's going to have that internal bleed. And you're going to need to maybe pull out your first aid skills at that point but you would never have needed to do that if you'd had those first skill sets so that's what I teach a lot about like you know how how can you read the dog in the first place and assess it before we get to that stage you know before we even get to the next level I mean you can't prevent everything of course you can't no. it it's no. impossible but I find a lot of people you know it's that as well like a dog on the table that you're grooming how can you recognize early signs of bloke because I'll tell you what you want to get that dog off right now you don't want to continue the groom but he will show you subtle signs that he is building up to that process so that's why i try and teach especially with the grooming course how can you tell this is turning into something bigger because you don't want to be that groomer that's now there with this collapsed dog you want to say no i don't like that and i've looked at the color of gums and no i'm sorry i'm abandoning this right now it doesn't feel right it doesn't look good
0: and do you um do you sort of teach them how to do those contingency plans so they, uh you know if the dog is poorly make that decision and put it in the car and go because some people are like I'm um an R ah, about that do I find the owner do I go straight to the vets do I um, do I phone the vet before I get there do, do you teach sort of put those
1: sort of things in plans so on the actual specific groomer related course that I have Yes, I do. I sort of teach them like how to to manage that and how to you know yeah when when are you going to call? What point do you stop? You know when is it in a you know what, also what prior warnings do you give to an owner? So if they and what are you looking out for? Like what questions do you ask and then how you proceed in that situation? Like a classic example, dog. You know you probably never ask these things. Maybe I don't know. You could maybe I'd, but I don't know if a dog groomer would ask an owner or so many questions that they would even say, does your dog have any, um, heart, like heart problems, like a heart murmur. Would anyone ask that? Probably. I don't, I'm going to say, I'm going to plump for no. Um, but a dog with an underlying heart murmur, if that dog even starts to look like it's giving a little bit of increased effort on the table with breathing, which can happen at any point, any point at all, you know, where the abdominal muscles are being squeezed in, get it off, ring the owner you don't want that on your table so it's all things like that of just making you aware of and lots of little things like I also put on their skin some skin sheets so they can look at something familiar and they can't diagnose and go oh my goodness yeah okay that that looks like ringworm I'll stop it's contagious (laughs) or you know that looks like it could be this I'm not going to touch that or you know and try to kind of make them just actually protect them and the dog
0: yeah yeah, awesome. Have you done like a, a specific course around skin conditions? Because that must be something that we come across so much. So much.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a big chunk in that particular course. But no, I to be honest with you, Bill, in front of me is a whiteboard with about 3,000 ideas on it. I'll give <laughs> you a
0: well tonight, so...
1: it looks like we're going to be like regulating the 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 grooming
0: uh to write regulation to write uh, (laughs) then a tour of all the universities to (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh (laughs) i just to myself here because for some reason on my desk i have a pack of batteries i was thinking maybe that's like somewhere to insert them to keep me going (laughs) um yeah, I think, you know, I, I I get my inspiration from a lot of people that are working in the industry is where to write next, what to do next. I like things to be punchy and quick. And although I can speak for Britain, courses are, you know, on the ball. They're like, you know, much punchier. Um, I would like to do something around skin. I think I was saying to you, you know, where this is going to lead. I'm going to be doing a little bit with Julie Harris next year um, on a couple of tour dates, uh, which will be around anatomy and organs and how they work too. And that's what I'm trying to get people to see that, um it's not just first aid it's it's I can you know help you with lots of other things and then my canine health and first aid course will there'll be an advanced version probably I've planned that for around about April next so the the course online came out three years ago in April which is crazy how quick that's gone so for those that need to renew they could then come back and do the the advanced version because they'll get all the overview of the first course is a bit more brief and then be able to learn more about different body systems so that's going to be good for people that have already listened to me and want to go go through all over again
0: a bit of refresher training
1: (laughs) yeah I think you need it don't you and I think that I have to say actually it's funny since doing stuff online I don't know if you find this when you when you're in a class I find that when you leave the class people will often email you a question of something you've just recently taught them about because I think that it's a long that's the only downfall i'd say when when you're doing something at a slower pace it's a bit easier to take in all the information when i go and do a face-to-face course i blast them for like six hours of stuff mm. and i sometimes think i don't think i could do that mentally myself sit there and go through all of that i think that's the one benefit actually of, of online training over face to face
0: i do um i do do an online course which is about six and a half hours long and I do blast them and it is me and and Vicky talking quite a lot but I also Zoom gives us the ability to record it so um, I record it it goes onto YouTube with a a private link and you can chapterize it as well so um, people can go back and watch particular chapters so you know there's always innovations and, and things that you can do.
1: Whereas if you think if you've been in a class together when those people leave that room, I mean, it's not like they can't ask you. Of course they can. But it's not like you could go back in, you know, a couple of weeks time and just review or even a couple, a few hours the following day. And just, well, yeah. just want to double check, you know, what that was about. You know, I kind of wished that all my university lectures had been recorded like that because there were times where, you know, let's just say I'd maybe gone straight from a night out straight to the first lecture like you do as a student and 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 probably just took in absolutely zero I was just there you know just just my face but nothing else was present and I think back you know I wish I'd then had the ability really to be able to kind of actually a couple of hours later when I was a bit more with it be able to watch it watch it back
0: catch up on it so
1: yeah.
0: so going forward you're going to be doing a, a bit of a tour next year with Julie yes
1: yeah, you- so that'd be fun that'd be fun Um, we haven't confirmed exactly what date's that yet but um, a little bit with Julie Um, I'm trying to think what else is happening I'm hoping to go out and do some volunteering next year um, somewhere I haven't confirmed yet where but uh, maybe a neutering clinic or something like that um, in another country Uh, because I think my children are just about at the age now where I can well they're not really but what I'm saying
0: (laughs) you're just going to go on your own (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, <keep going. laughs> I mean i'd go for christmas no <laughs> um, well they just they're not really manageable at all but they're kind of a little bit easier than what they were when they were newborns
0: <laughs> yeah I, I struggle seeing you out in i don't know where, where do you go for nutrient um like I suppose, Romania and, and places like that, I suppose, to go out? Do you go out to there? And-
1: yeah, there's Cape Verde doing a big one uh, in March, um, which is my 40th birthday, actually. It's <laughs> actually, that's <laughs> the other thing. It would actually be full on my 40th birthday. Actually, Adam was like, are you really going to do that and work on your 40th birthday? But why not? I was like, I don't really want to have a party. Don't mind, like, you know, going and, and we'll go and do something nice for an evening. But actually spending my 40th birthday neutering dogs might actually sort of be a nice birthday present to myself knowing I can go home that night and not be woken up overnight either by children it's like bliss.
0: there you go so you're not going to take these children so um are you going to do any of the grooming shows I mean there's loads of grooming shows being put on um for next year
1: yeah I'd love to I mean I obviously you know I, I I'd sort of wait and see if anyone ever wants uh, there, oh there is one uh oh i keep forgetting all of them um is it the great the great british scream off isn't it uh, yeah, the great, no? yeah. yeah, great british
0: grooming show yeah
1: the great british grooming show next year um there's a couple you oh the, there's a few isn't there there's another one in um Easter that i can't remember now can't, my mind's gone blank yeah but but you But no i mean i i but i kind of don't as often as i don't really push my as in i seem I seem like i quite outgoing confident person, but I don't really push myself to, you know, I sort of wait and see if anybody would like me to come and talk about something. I'm not really, you know, I don't really sort of push of other people sort of requests and say, oh, you know, be nice if Sophie came and did a little talk on this or, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing as well, because I can, I can talk about anything, you know, if anyone sort of ever said, oh, we'd love a seminar on this, um, you know, throw it to me. I could prepare something. You get something, you know, sorted that they could learn about if they really thought of something within the grooming industry or you know, with dogs in specifically or you know that they want to know i could do a seminar on anything that's the thing that's you know i don't mind doing that
0: there you go big shout out to any organizers or colleges or anything like that sophie's available for
1: uh... <laughs> Oh my God, I'm laughing because i just literally signed my whole life away in this one zoo...
0: it's always a sunday as well <laughs>
1: so i'm basically going to be at universities touring
0: <laughs> you're off to belfast tanya sales will be in touch you're off to uh coventry okay. and then uh, birmingham and then there might be something in glasgow
1: <laughs> i went to vet school in glasgow i'm going back to my old roots yeah. i could start back at the uni there as well and talk to them all about growing <laughs> <laughs> so basically i've just signed my life away in this one last hour i have to go back in speak to my partner and tell him that I'm really sorry, but the two, three-year-olds and the four-year-old are all yours next year because I won't have any time or input.
0: And the other thing is, <laughs> now, and the other thing is, is this podcast, when you look at, uh, this will go out as a podcast, when you look at it, it goes all over the world, all over the place. So, so <laughs> it's available in the US, in, in uh, South Africa.
1: <laughs> no, anyway, actually, do you know what? That is one thing, just to sort of say with the training, that's the other thing I was say about you You still talking about online things. It has been so wonderful because especially either with the course that you've taken your own time or a Zoom with me, I've had people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's always quite exciting. When you prepare a certificate and you go to post it and you're like, wow, that, you know, you sort of can see all these different places. And, you know, a, la- a lovely lady got in contact with me from South Africa and said, we just don't really have this here. And so it's really nice to be able to learn something because it's not really easily accessible. Um it's really nice to be able to offer that. Obviously, if you're just face-to-face in certain areas within the UK, usually, you can't... Other people that don't maybe have the opportunity can't, can't learn.
0: No, that's it. And um, I know dog, groom, uh, dog trainers now who had to pivot during COVID because, obviously, you couldn't do a face-to-face. Yeah. They've got clients all over the world because they do dog training via Zoom, and they've just done so well. You know, they've, they've opened up their business, they've opened up their mindset and uh, they're doing awesome you know American clients all, all sorts
1: it is really great and I think and say funnily enough though because I, I had my online course before Covid came along and my inspiration for that well one thing I had my sister saying oh you know you should, you should get your course online um, and I was like wow this is such a daunting task like where do you start because I knew I wanted it to be very visual I, I knew I didn't want to just put notes and pictures and, and put them out it wasn't for me I needed it to be like different to that yeah. um and then what inspired me to then get on and get my backside into doing it is a lovely lady contacted me and said to me do you ever think you do anything online because i suffer really badly with social anxiety that like, is in i fall apart in a room of people mm. um, and i realized that actually this is true there are people out there with lots of different um you know things that make them tick and not tick and and this is one of hers and she just said i, I I don't want, I just don't want to be in that environment. And so she was one of the first inspirations for me that just made me think, hang on a minute, that's so true. Not everybody wants to be in a room full of people or, you know, feeling like they've got to communicate or speak or get involved. They just, not everyone, it's not for everyone.
0: Yeah, or can't travel or can't travel as far to come and find you and to come and see you. And you you can't afford to sort of put agents all over the place, can you? So, you know,
1: no, you
0: a greater amount of people can't you
1: you do and then with the canine um first aid course I need to do it with the others as well um, I subtitled it as, as well and you know so then I, I sort of reached out to the to the deaf community and that's because I released it and got I guess a fairly I, I can understand fairly not stroppy I don't know maybe sort of sort of severe message from someone that was like you know you are really um you're not you're not disabled friendly and really quite aggressive and I hate the companies like you that don't reach out to people like us and so immediately I was like right I see it. it's getting subtitled remember send their back going here's a copy of the free free course because I want you to know that that is not me and I just didn't think of it because I don't have anyone within my family there is death, and so it doesn't it doesn't come on my radar but if you raise it to me like the person with the social anxiety I didn't want to be in the room I'll do my best to accommodate you because that's what I like to do that's kind of you know it plays on my mind as soon as she said that I made it my mission I was like I I can't I can't live with myself until I get this sorted and and so I had to do it that's probably a real it's a real downfall of mine by the way anyone's listening to this never take business advice from me I am the world's worst business person because I wear my heart on my sleeve I literally um if I had my own vet practice I wouldn't make one penny I'd be like oh, <laughs> you go. okay I am I'm pathetic I mean I'm not good I'm not a good business person at all. <laughs> I can't ever you know I just but also though I managed to stay afloat and pay a mortgage I think because people know that as well they probably feel sorry for me <laughs> we got to buy a course course on her. I feel so sorry for her. But yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I'm the world's worst businesswoman.
0: I don't, I don't think they feel sorry for you when when you uh, when you ask people within the group about you. Everyone was like raving about your courses. They come like, really highly recommended. I, I just think we need to see Sophie Moore next year at all the conferences, shows, love and education. I would love
1: to i will be booked out every weekend. As long as I get to stay somewhere where I can get a good night's sleep, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. And give me different topics. Challenge me. I like being challenged. She says that. I'll spend about three weeks researching one thing for, for a seminar. No, do. I, 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 Anne, can I say on just to, to sort of end note of that? That is one thing as well. The amount of amazing, amazing people that have absolutely stuck by me have come back for more. (laughs) Can't believe they come back for more. You know, I bring out a new course, I see the familiar name, I get involved in maybe like something else, and I see their name. And I think, wow, this is just, this is crazy. Like the support is, you know, and I notice, I notice, I'm not like, you know sort of I don't ignore people I've definitely got quite a good memory actually for for you know who sort of comes through and who I see and um, and I love that and I'm very honoured when you like you say when someone says does anyone know a course when my name comes out I've been known to on multiple occasions sometimes it might be after a couple of glasses of wine Adam would turn around to me why are you crying because <laughs> people are recommending me again he's like oh you're just so pathetic it maybe is pathetic but is I still not? I just think I would never I, I feel very honoured all the
0: time yeah, i think it's it's a great privilege and it, you know if i get a text message or um a messenger message or something like that i screenshot it so i can keep it you know yeah. and look at it because it, you got to you got to look at these things don't you you got to like reward yourself a little bit and give yourself a pat on the back and it's really nice to be appreciated because we put all this information out there for people don't we and we 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 help people and want to help people so it's yeah. nice to get that, that sort of recognition and send that thanks isn't it
1: it's so nice it's probably one of the nicest things really I think sometimes when you think when you're you know maybe not in front of the people that you have taught and then to get those sort of message or see other people sort of recommend you it's quite it's quite unreal really you sort of think wow this is this is, I don't know it's, sort of, it's a funny feeling but I guess that's just because I, I'm not yeah I don't know I can't even really explain it I'm just garbling now <laughs>
0: It's, it's our maybe it's the the British thing. I don't
1: know. It's like yeah, maybe maybe. And I am I am super sensitive and a soft touch, so I probably do you know anything like that, which is another reason why I cut down on my vet hours because it's mentally draining. Like I just I can't not. I mean, I was in on Monday and I literally phoned yesterday checking in on all my cases. It's quite pathetic, really. I need to kind of walk away. Still can't. Don't have the ability to do that. And even if someone messages me that I have never met about their dog and they'll say to me oh my dog you know has this that and the other I still have to follow that and I'm literally I'll think about that dog I'll think about it and then a couple of days later be like any news let me know won't you because it it plays on my mind I've never even met this dog I don't even know this person I'm like literally invested (laughs) in this case so anyway
0: (laughs) awesome so um those are people that don't know you and uh haven't done any of your first aid courses how can they get hold of you and we'll put, put all this in the comments as well. Yeah,
1: sure. Okay. And I'll pop a couple of little um codes in there for you as well to for people to get um a discount. So you can yeah, find me at animal love pet first aid. Uh I have a Facebook page and I also have a website um which if you just type in Animal Love Pet First Aid, it will come up. It's a bit misleading because I say it's not just pet first aid by any means, and it won't be all branch over next year to include lots of topics and also. It's helpful for you guys too if you ever say if you ever think I really want to know more about this I will be your person I'll take the two months of totally researching it till it to the death and <laughs> present something that you that's easy to follow that you understand and and yeah so don't yeah don't just think of me as the one the one trick pony don't, I don't want to be this just the just the first aid I want to be more more <laughs> but that's where you can find me animal love pet first aid
0: Excellent. We'll put all that in there. Did you say there was a discount code as well? I I remember talking about this. Yes.
1: (laughs) So I did too. So I did uh, grooming 50 was to get half price on either the feline or the canine first aid courses. And grooming five will take um, £5 off the new grooming course. Um, So it makes the first aid course £17.50 each. And that gives you a copy of your certificate posted to you it's a pretty good bargain and the new groom course just because it is fairly new that will take it down to 30 pounds again this typically gets posted to you so let's like try and keep it keep it cheap awesome well make
0: awesome. sure you go and um go back into the group after this and go and look at all the, the comments and things that people have been saying um
1: okay, do i want to <laughs> yeah
0: of course you do there's there's some really good <laughs> comments there's some uh you know things topical things that we've been talking about and everyone's sort of uh, pitching in a little bit so make sure you go and have a look through there and put all your details in there so okay lovely speaking to you and hopefully we will see you um next year probably at all the grooming all the grooming shows (laughs)
1: all the universities (laughs) all the countries of the world
0: (laughs) now just just to say there is a big grooming show in las vegas which I'm trying to get, trying to get a slot on.
1: I'm there, I'm there. I'm
0: to do some speaking. So uh, <laughs> I'll give you God, details afterwards.
1: That and this the school
0: holidays as well.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't care what it is. <laughs> school holidays, non-school holidays. By the way, I'd like to clarify, I do very much dearly love my children. I do. They're like, yeah, I do. <laughs> but, you know, Las Vegas, three toddlers.
0: I think we're going out to Spain to see Laura Joyce. She's going
1: <laughs> to... I'm there, back. Laura. <laughs> have you got a <laughs> Just to add in a little bit more luxury.
0: <laughs> right, we'll leave it there. I'll let you get back.
1: <laughs> so good to speak to you, though, Bill. I'll definitely go on and have a look at those comments. I think, um, yeah, I'll have a little
0: bit of a giggle, too. <laughs> I'll take you in it. Thanks a lot, and take
1: yeah. care. See you.